Hey now, this is Always Be Watching. It's the podcast in which we ask, what have you been watching? My name is Dan Barrett and joined by the man with the best finger guns in the business, it's Mr. Christopher Yates. My name's Chris. How are you, Dan? Look, I'm doing pretty, pretty, pretty good. How'd you had a job interview today? Uh, yeah. <laughs> How'd that go? Uh, well, okay. Excellent. Uh, this podcast that we do, we talk about um, the things that we have like, like to watch on television. We ask uh, each sh- other what we've been watching. Shout out to my current employer. We shout <laughs> Um, the prem- the <laughs> the massive premise for our podcast is that we discuss the things that we've been watching by asking each other, "What have you been watching?" We've been friends for a long time, about fifteen years. That's a long time, and long we're enough. not we're not at all interested in each other's lives, families, friends, or anything like that. All we care about is what we've been watching. Yeah, or maintaining our friends. You it's know, not true. I really, futures. I do like a lot of your friends and I, and, uh, and, and you know, they're nice people. They're, some of them are my friends as well. Some. Chris. <sighs> yes. Big question for you. Yep. And I think you know where I'm heading. <laughs> what have you been watching? Well, Dan, it's funny you should ask. I've been watching an amazing television show called High Maintenance. This is a safe space. So, you're a pot dealer. What's that like? Uh, I just kind of bike around and uh, people call me and, and then I bring them weed, pretty much. It's kind of all there is to it. And uh, where do you get your weed? Uh, I'm not going to answer that one, sorry. Pass. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. It's totally cool. Um, have you ever been arrested? No, luckily not. Knock on wood. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, do you feel like maybe that's because you're white? Uh, maybe. Oh, shit. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess it has something to do with it. Yeah, but, maybe. But, you know, it's also maybe because I'm small potatoes and uh, yeah. I just steal a little weed and like, sometimes mushrooms, so I'm not oh, really... Okay. Mushrooms as well. I love high maintenance. Have you seen? Are you up to date on high maintenance? So this is a show that I always stumble across a few episodes and keep meaning to get back to, and I never do. But when I every so often when the mood strikes me, I will watch a whole bunch of them back to back. Yes, I'm not too. I'm not too sure about the. Uh, I don't understand the exact um, uh, history of the show and how it's come about. But I know that there was like one season that was on uh, of 19 episodes that were on Vimeo. Can I help you out here? Yeah. This was just a web series produced by some independent producers. Yes, right. They put it out on Vimeo, became a really big deal online in yeah. a way a lot of web series don't. Yes. And I think the quality of this is like a step above. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they got involved with HBO. HBO bought all the Vimeo episodes. The Vimeo ah. episodes are now available on like the HBO platforms and get played on HBO quite regularly. And then they just started producing the show. And they're now up to, what, season four? Season I think five? season four is about to start. So we just had yeah. the end of season three. But there was a really big gap between the Vimeo ones and the HBO season. So, that, yeah, I'm just, I was just confused about how that happened. But um, regardless, it's back. I'm, I'm about halfway through the most explain, recent season. Explain the premise of the show because this is one that I don't think a lot of people are across. Okay, so it's one of my favorite premises for a television show. It's about a guy who sells drugs. Yeah. Um, specifically marijuana, and he does it um, around the um, well-trodden um, 
boroughs of New York uh, in storytelling terms. And but he's not really a character in it as much. It's more he's like the vessel to enter the world of different other characters. Absolutely. I think the newest, the newer episodes he's becoming a bit more. He's, yeah. he's an incredibly likable uh, lead, I think. And I think that's why in the more, I guess as it's probably moved into the more traditional world of television that they've kind of focused on that a bit heavier. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Anyway. But this is kind of an anthology show. So every episode is about other people's lives. So you kind of see Absolutely. a short film between about like 10 to 15 minutes a piece. The only thing that connects all these stories together is they've got the same weed delivery guy. Or he's played a role in their life in some way. Yeah, mostly as the delivery guy, but then also um, there are a few... Yeah, they're getting a bit more... As the, show, as the series goes on, I think they're getting a little bit more interesting about how they uh, introduce the other characters and... Um, uh, yeah, there's been a bit of a there's been a few little threads that run throughout the season um, in regard to his story and his personal life, which okay. if, which you only sort of see in his conversations with other people, um, with his clients and with the people that he deals with. Um, it's very cool because it's very interesting from a purely uh, um, weed kind of pop culture point of view because it's changed so much in the last ten years, especially in America, mm. um, to sort of see where it started and now. Um, you know, there was a really great scene where he was getting a prescription for. A, medical marijuana via an iPad doctor who was like yeah you know surely you got what do you got a headache or something I don't care yeah yeah sure you get whatever you like and also the technology like so things have moved uh, it's, it seems to have moved a lot it's moved a lot away from you know like grass in a bag to kind of these interesting pens and all this kind of stuff that we poor saps out here uh, don't get to experience but um, yes so I, what I what I think I like about the show is that all the stories are incredibly human with a lot of characters of whom you don't really see being depicted much absolutely. in other forms of storytelling so the couple of episodes that come to mind immediately for me and I think these come from maybe the Vimeo period of the series there's a really great one with a teenage Muslim girl of whom she's like experimenting with weed for the first time. She's getting high on like the family like apartment roof and like her life is kind of falling apart a bit, but she's finding like a little space for herself to create her own identity and to try to just rebel a little bit. But at the same time, she's still doing it while hiding like the side of her life from her parents of whom she lives with. Yeah. And just she's trying to buy weed from the guy and the guy wounds and there's, you know, that's kind of the relationship there. But it's just, I've never seen that story before. No, look, and there's lots of those stories, I think. Like, and it's also, you know, it, it almost makes me feel a bit sick to say, but, you know, it, there's obviously some kind of intersection with this sort of modern, like the sort of humans of New York kind of storytelling idea where we are looking at those people in that way. Um you know, you can either be cynical about the fact that it's New York or you can appreciate it for the fact that this is obviously a place with a lot of very different kind of people coming together and yeah, it's well, such it's a, a convenient... Yeah, of high volume. Sure, right? Yeah. And it's a, really, it's a really convenient way to have that. So I think that, you know, my initial... You know, like the any initial kind of uh, another New York show, it kind of falls away pretty quickly when you see what they're actually doing with it. I think it's just fantastic. It's yeah. great stuff. I never have problems with the New York stories. Well, me neither, but there's I, a lot I just of think them. It's you such know. A, it is, but it's just such a rich like yes. opportunity to tell stories. Look, and I think a show like this is perfectly evident of that being the case, and it not just being you know familiarity that makes it so uh, such a well visited place in storytelling. Yeah, but uh, no, great show, and I hope people check it out. And funny, you know, like it's really really funny. I had so there's a massive laugh out loud moments but then there's some really um, much more introspective ones it's always looked fantastic even the web series right looked really great gorgeous looking and it's yeah continues to do that so there's just so much to like about it on heaps of levels one of my favorite ones that I stumbled across recently I think it might be from the last season 
Uh, there's a guy, he's probably like mid-60s, of whom he's like been a lifelong pot guy. Yeah. And he died, like he just has a heart attack in his. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And the entire thing is just a funeral of yeah. all these people of whom have been touched by him and his love of weed yeah, over yeah. the years. And obviously the weed dealer comes along and like he's you know, just one of the people that- attending this funeral. But it was just like a fascinating way to tell a story about a funeral. Totally. And the strange thing that linked them all together. And that was that had that amazing sequence at the start where he was boiling water for his bath and yeah. in the nude and it was just like it looked like everything was going to go wrong except for him having a heart attack which was yeah very funny too I thought now, yeah then like that's it they turned that scene into something with real kind of humour and um, brevity even though it was just yeah a, 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 the setup for a funeral very cool very cool show yeah so uh, that's, where, where do people watch that uh, HBO yeah. Um, so anyway, you can get HBO stuff. So in Australia on Foxtel, I've got. Oh, that. they have got it on Foxtel. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Um, Dan, what have you been watching? Look, I also watched something that. Look, it's a lot of laughs. It's a show called Chernobyl. <laughs> Don't laugh at that, Chris. Oh boy. Well, the good we did. It doesn't matter. What does matter is that to them. Justice was done. See, a just world is a sane world. There was nothing sane about Chernobyl. So this is a multi-part series from the aforementioned home box office. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is a show which, it's currently airing, so I think it's maybe episode three might be debuting around the world as we speak. Uh, it has Jared Harris in it from Mad Men. Oh, yes. Yep, and a bunch of other things. Emily Watson, Stellan Skarsgård, a whole bunch of familiar faces. This is absolutely about what you think it is, which is the Chernobyl disaster that took place in 1986. And it's all set in Russia. Everyone's got British accents and speaking English, which of kind of, I don't know. I, I actually bristled at that quite heavily yeah. while watching it. Now, I've watched the first episode in which the disaster takes place, and it is horrific. (laughs) Okay, like just watching all these people making the absolute wrong decision every time about how they... Because no one knew what to do. Sure. And you got a whole bunch of people of whom just weren't trained to deal with it. You got a whole bunch of people of whom were just bureaucrats of whom wanted to wash the situation away and, you know, just bring it to an end as quickly as possible without actually knowing what to do to do that. Okay, it's... It's all heavily researched and based on what actually happened. But just watching this, understanding like the scope of the human disaster that took place. Yeah, wow. It's incredible. Now, I tend not to watch a lot of like true crime stuff. And even things like this, I tend to steer clear of a bit because I kind of feel it's, I don't know, there's something a bit ghoulish about the way that you're sort of dwelling on, you know, human disaster and tragedy. Well, you're being entertained by human disaster and tragedy. You are. But I live with someone of whom she loves Chernobyl. <laughs> she is, this is her bag. This is her Game of Thrones. She's so stoked Chernobyl happened. Yeah, it's she is completely into it. <laughs> she sits there and, you know, they'll start talking about, like, the um, science behind, like, the reason why you can't shut off a reactor. And she's down on Wikipedia and she's, like, learning it. And she's, yep. she's very excited all about this. So a lot of Chernobyl has been happening in my house. And after the first episode, I kind of tapped out because I kind of feel like I've gotten what this show has to offer. Sure. And the rest has felt like misery porn from this point in. <laughs> yep. But if this is your kind of thing, definitely check it out. The production values on this are amazing. Yeah. Uh, performances. I mean, when you hear names like Jared Harris and Stellan Skarsgård, like, you know that you're in for, you know, an It's amazing, a quality thing, right? Yeah. 
high drama, it's high production values. Like it's an HBO, it's actually co-production with, I can't think of who the, it's a British broadcaster. Hence but, the accent. Hence the accent. But yeah, it's incredible. I don't think you can really go past this. Warning though, incredibly serious. There is no <laughs> levity in this at all. Like you are in for a horrendous hour of TV and more so if you stick with it. No Neil Patrick Harris to break the mood. <laughs> no, no musical numbers. No musical numbers. What yeah. a shame. But anyway, uh, Chernobyl currently available where you can find HBO things. Is it a long series? Sorry, I missed uh, that. Sorry, uh, six episodes. Six episodes. Oh yeah, wow. Jeez. That's it's about six, six or eight episodes. Yeah, so yeah. a fairly short run. Long enough for you to really get yourself down. Yeah. And quite frankly, I feel as though maybe it doesn't need to be that many episodes. I feel like you could probably get away with you know, just like a two-hour movie. Yeah, sure. Or even just like a three-parter. I don't think it needs to be as long as it is. Uh, if it was, I'd probably have stuck with it. With it. Yeah. Uh, five episodes all up. Yeah, right. Bit but too yeah, much. It just feels a bit too long. Fair and enough. every episode's about an hour-ish. Yeah, I need to laugh. I need to I need to find things that make me a little happy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a brutal couple of weeks, Chris. <laughs> um, so anyway, that's Chernobyl. You can find it on in Australia on Foxtel, in the US, HBO, and in the UK on the platform of whomever that UK broadcaster is. I want to say it's like B Sky B maybe, but I'm not too sure. No one cares, so that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, what have you been watching? Uh, I, I'm, I've talked about this already, but I'm going to revisit it. Uh, I watched the series finale of Lego Masters. This is the episode before the grand final of Lego Masters. You guys are the final four teams. Congratulations on making it this far. Today, one team will be leaving us. Of those three teams, one of those teams will become the first ever Lego Masters and will pick up a hundred grand as well as the snazzy trophy. We are the young guys in the competition and we're facing some really great, talented, older builders and we just got to hope that our youthful ways are the way to go. So, Chris, you're an adult fan friend of Lego? <laughs> yes, Dan. Why is this such a... Of all the embarrassing things you do in your life, why is this such a point of, uh, of humour for you that I, that I still play with Lego? What embarrassing things do I do in my oh, life? Nothing. Nothing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, yes, I am an adult fan A-fold. of Lego. That's what they call I also me. have children, so I'm allowed to uh, buy sets for them and play with them, which is fun. It legitimizes my hobby a little bit. <laughs> sure. Um, but, uh, yes. Question for you. Yes. And I was asked this because I was talking about the other day with people. You're talking about me? Yeah. Yeah, great. Um, as an AFOL, which stands for adult friend of Lego. Sorry, <laughs> fan of Lego. <laughs> as an AFOL, <laughs> have you always identified as an AFOL or has it been since your kids have got an interest in Lego that you've allowed a part of yourself to re-emerge like the beautiful butterfly that it is? Absolutely. I think it was kids. So I had a few... I've been thinking about this recently, actually. Like I was very, very into it as a kid. Um, not so much an outdoorsy kid. So I did a lot more of that kind That's of stuff. surprising. <laughs> And um, so, yeah, I, uh, but look, and and over the years I would every now and then, I think it was like, you know, someone would get me one as a joke. I, I've always kind of had stuff in my share houses. Like I think I've always had a few spaceships or something like that floating around. So it's always kind of been the kids there. kids came along. And kids was... came along, but but long before they were actually ready for it, I started getting back into it in preparation, I think. Yeah. Well, because of the kids. So <laughs> follow-up question. Yes. I've often wondered, because I don't have children myself, so I haven't gone through like this period of my life. But when the kids start getting a bit too old to be playing around with Lego, okay, know, before eventually they come back to it as AFOLs themselves. Yes. But in that period, like, what do you do? Do you keep on identifying as an AFOL or do you pressure the partner into having another kid? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know. Um, definitely not the latter. 
But uh, yes, I've been thinking about that too. I wonder if the Lego will go back into the cupboard for for another yeah. ten years. That'll be interesting to we'll, see. We'll revisit this on a podcast at the yeah. time, or maybe it'll actually be returned to being a kind of you know for the last few years before they were actually playing with it, it was a somewhat relaxing and uh, sort of fun thing to do. But uh, playing with the children <laughs> does become a little bit more te- stressful um, when when trying to actually complete something. But so it becomes a lot more free form, and you know it, it you know the the classic. Um, movie, the Lego movie uh, plot of dad trying to make all the sets and the kids just wanting to mash everything together yeah. is a very real thing. Freeform is um, like Lego jazz. So you got to like, yeah, you got to let the kids get jazzy. Um, so look, I think that we one thing that Lego Masters, the smash hit show on Channel Nine Australia, has proven is that it's not just me who's interested in this stuff, and there is a, actually a really big community out there, and not only a community of people who are really, really into um, the, the Lego, but also just wanted to see something a bit different on television, right? Yeah. Wanted to see a different uh, reality no, show, and uh, I think right through to the end, that proved to be a very uh, to, to to really work for them. It was a really friendly show, even to the end. Um, we had one character whose name was um, Cade, who was a, a divisive character who made terrible decisions, um, ignored all the advice of the uh, of the brick man, and um, and and so you know, sort of uh, <laughs> created a very interesting. I mean, he was amazing. I reckon. Now, because we've talked about this in the last couple of weeks, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Sure. Because I'm interested about how the shows evolved from the beginning. Because it's a UK format for made for the Australian market. Yeah. But like, I'm sure the format evolved a bit as they sort of got a bit more comfortable a few episodes in. Yeah. So at the very beginning, there was Hamish Blake. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to think of my Hamish's. I Hamish thought Blake his, his last name's and Andy, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Hamish Blake was making. He a rolled lot of his jokes. eyes at me. Then everybody. Yeah, yeah. I think people could hear that in my voice. <laughs> so he was making a lot of jokes about the Lego format. Yes. Okay, and the idea of you know this isn't a reality show. Did that sort of thing continue through the series? No, it definitely. And even at the time I mentioned it, you suggested that would probably peter out as he got a bit more uh, invested in it. And it absolutely yeah. that that was absolutely the case. So it was really cool to watch. You know, he became he could see how important it was to the contestants, and it and he definitely took a lot that a lot of that on, and uh, the jokes became a little less. Um, you know, this is a ridiculous thing we're doing to like, oh my God, you, you know, you guys are really into this and I get it. So as he, because obviously he probably came into it as a bit of a skeptic, or at least that's how he was portraying yeah, himself yeah. on screen. And you sort of saw him embrace Lego a little bit more and the sort of um, creativity and, you know, yeah, enthusiasm sure. that people have around this. Did the show really sort of egg that out at all, or was it really just something that you sort of would see if you were paying attention to it? I think no. I think it was obvious how um a, a, how his affinity grew for the for the actual f- people that were doing it and for their pastime, you know, for how they choose to, to spend their time. It became a little less of a novelty and a bit more of like, oh wow, these are just people who are really into stuff. You know, it's fun watching people who are really into anything. Like, I anyone thought. passionate? Yeah, passionate yeah. about anything, right? It's always fun to watch. So I think that became really um. Yeah, and and I think Hamish definitely got caught in that. I loved Hamish. I thought he was so good in that show. Like he really just, it, it did t- definitely take an episode or two for him to find his mark and f- to to really kind of uh, empathise on a really good level with him. But once he was doing that, it was incredible. It was really great. Now, also on the counterpoints, so obviously Hamish like sort of uh, came to terms with like the Lego and sort of embraced it <laughs> as the show was going on. 
the contestants themselves, did you notice any sort of change in the way that they were participating? Because I would imagine these are people of whom were excited to be able to express their creativity and play with Lego on TV. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and bring that to a screen. But also I'd imagine these are people nervous about being on TV and people of whom TV isn't a natural environment for them. Like, absolutely. And, and it was really, uh, it was great watching them kind of get that. It was, I think the, the most interesting thing was that people kind of got more serious because it was very quick, you know. It kind of all played out over about 12 episodes, I think, altogether. Mm. Uh, which was only which I knew it was like two or three a week right yeah three a week so it was very quick Um, so it's sort of and that felt like that too like it felt a bit rushed and a bit like you know I I feel like they would have probably stretched it out a bit longer had they known how how popular it was going to be so here's a very they did the same thing though with Australian Ninja Warrior where they burned them out like really quickly yeah okay and I think it's a deliberate strategy that's what they do right okay you just don't want to lose the novelty of it I think so here's a very noob TV question from me to you and someone who knows a bit more about this stuff so would the whole thing have been finished before they started airing it oh I'm sure it would have been yeah so like that's another thing I found really interesting because I feel like had the had the sort of uh, unless the show does like a live like grand no, finale no it wasn't a live finale no so. they just assume it was all in a can yeah so um, one of the things I was going to say about Cade who was this really divisive character he did a he's amazing online and he um, is part of the Lego community on Facebook um, of which I'm an observer and definitely not a participant but um he, uh, you know, he, he just put up with people really hanging shit on him in a very, very positive way and a very productive way. I can't believe people do that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Who would have thought it? And, you know, <laughs> yeah. well, interestingly, because of this kind of community, there was a lot of people going like, you know, we're, we're a community here. Like, you know, you've got to remember these guys on here are part of it. And then other people going like, no, hang on. This is television. We're allowed to do this. Like, you know, it's part of it is making fun of these people and part of it's watching it. And, yeah, you making know, fun but, of the A-folks. But we know, but we know these people are, you know, these people are part of our things. But so all of that was just fantastic. Adult fan of Lego community. But um, he's been so great online. He did this amazing um, Q&A uh, when the, the next season, which has been announced, uh, the casting was announced. And he did a big Q&A on there, which was people just asking all these incredible questions. Um, most of which I was like rolling my eyes like, oh, you wouldn't know that. But here's, here's how dumb I am. So, you know, the finale's on there, right, pre-recorded as well. Mm. These Obviously, this is a big deal. Um, people bet on these kind of things. You know, like this is, they have to keep it a secret. So they yeah. film all three people, the three teams winning, yeah. and then just show the one that actually won. How do they like, I just could not believe that. Like it just seemed, the emotion and the everything seemed so genuine. I can't believe that the poor kids who didn't win had to go through the motions of like, acting out that they had won and then they don't get to actually win. That that just blew my mind from an absolute, the magic of TV, you know, falling away before my eyes. Chris, you're adorable. (laughs) But like, um, well, I I guess I've only really considered it in the context of how they do live ones and, you know, they'll all go away for a few months and how they used to do the live Survivor and stuff and that made sense to me. Um, But yeah, very, very cool. Uh, It was very fun, fun to think about it that way, but heartbreaking in, in some respects. So that's Australian Lego Masters. Australian Lego Masters. It was fantastic. It's still on the Channel 9 Catch-Up app, which is very good. All the episodes? All the episodes are on there as far as I know. Um, yes, if you only saw a little bit or if, you know, you're behind the eight ball, I, uh, I you know, just get in there and watch it. It was such a great show. I can't wait for it to come again. It was quite different to the UK one too, so which is an interesting... Um, they did change the format quite a bit, so it'll be interesting to see how they change it up for the next season. Fantastic. Dan, what have you been watching? Chris, I've been watching Catch-22. Doc, you can ground me if I'm crazy, right? Oh, sure, I have to. I have to ground anyone who's crazy. Then ground me. I'm crazy. You're not crazy. Why not? 
Catch-22. As soon as you ask to get out of combat duty, you're no longer crazy, and so you have to fly more missions. That's some catch, that Catch-22. It's the best there is. I'm assuming you have read Joseph Heller's Catch-22 novel. You're incorrect there. But really? Yeah, no, I never did. It just struck me as the sort of thing you would have. <laughs> I've read a lot of that sort of garbage. But yeah. no, um, no, no, I haven't read that one. Okay, have you have seen Have you film? read it? I haven't seen the film, no. I have read neither the book nor the film. No, me neither. I haven't read the film at all. No. Yeah. Um, but I, there's only two words I need to know to be excited about this um, new Catch-22, and those two words are George Clooney. <laughs> Look, I mean, if there's if there's the clone dog, I'm come there. on, I mean, I mean, I'm not yeah. being sarcastic. I'm in for the clone dog. I no, I'm it. I'm all there for the clone dog. So, Catch Twenty Two. I've always meant to read the book, just haven't done it. Sure. And I'm lazy. Like I could easily watch the movie. Haven't done it either. But the show finally got around to it. And as I knew about the series going into it, well, series book movie. A lot of it is about the sort of ridiculousness of war and the establishments of like an army institution. Yeah. Okay. It's it's the bureaucracy. It's the way that people behave. It, none of it really makes sense. And it's about people finding madness within that. I find myself watching the Catch-22 miniseries. And ironically, I can't help but wonder why does this show exist in the exact same way that these characters are asking the same question about the military structures right. within. Now, that doesn't say that it's a bad show. I think it's a perfectly fine show. I question whether it needs to be a show or if it could just be a two-part miniseries. Sure. Okay. Like, I, it feels like... Because I've only seen the first episode... But it doesn't feel like there's really that much more to pursue once you've established the idea of what the characters are all doing, and you know, I'm the, trying just so the thematic hard. idea. I'm trying so hard to make a Catch Twenty Two joke, but I just can't get there. No, but this is the thing. I'll keep so, working on it. Just let come back to me. So Catch Twenty Two, uh, the entire thing it's set during the Second World War. Second World War might be the First World War. Let's say it's the second one. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we're a couple of smart guys over here. Just, should, yeah, I should yeah. have been paying attention to this show. Yeah, yeah, you've really been. At least I so haven't watched it, that's right. But the thing is, I don't understand why it's not a contemporary story. Sure. So, if they were setting it in 2019, because there are military skirmishes going on, in which the politics of it is completely crazy, and the military structures and institutions are just as nuts as they ever were back then... I would totally understand why the show needs to exist. Mm. Unfortunately, you've got this thing which is, uh, you know, back in the day, and it's it must be Second World War. There's lots of period era music. It's the relationships are the relationships actually feel more contemporary. It's almost as though they've oh, kind right. of taken yeah, like yeah. a stripes aesthetic and layered it over Catch Twenty Two, which may be the aesthetic of Catch Twenty Two all along. I know it's, a, it's supposed to be a funny book, so maybe it's also got that. But you know, I very much felt like Harold Ramis could be in this without you know wow. the thing losing a beat. Yeah, I'm shocked to hear that. I did not realize they played it so hard for laughs. Yeah, like it's it's funny. Okay, it's also just dark and twisted. It's everything that you kind of want it to be. But just the fact that they've adhered so closely to the original, you know, wars that they're parodying, like, why not make it contemporary? Interesting. I just don't get that. And so I just kept on watching this, wondering why it was that this thing even exists. It's not saying anything new, and it doesn't have any real dramatic heft to it as a result. Did you laugh a lot? Oh, look, it's kind of funny. Okay, but like, I don't know, it's kind of Maybe left that's me a bit not empty. enough. Yeah, yeah, no, it's right. not enough. 
And I've only seen the first one, and I saw someone on Twitter saying something along the lines of, I watched the first one and thought this is perfectly fine, but then it just lost him on the second one. Oh, God. Okay, and I kind of feel like, like I feel like it's going to lose me on the second one because I don't really understand why it is that I need to stick around for a second one. Will you? Uh, will you? Like, maybe, maybe. I don't know. Like, I kind of had a good time with it, but it was still it's inessential. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to see more of the clone dog. Yeah, that's right. More Clue Dog. Is he in it much? Uh, he's in it a little bit at the start and Hugh Laurie's in it. I knew it would be this thing where they would just like give us a little bit of Clue and then it's just like nothing. Then yeah, we're going to put like, up with Hugh Laurie. I love Hugh Laurie. Hugh Laurie's in it and he's great. Uh, Kyle Chandler's in it and he's really good. Uh, the main character is the character of Yasarian, played by Christopher Abbott, who people might know from TV's Girls. But he's really quite good. Like I think he's a very charismatic lead <sighs> and I really like him in this. But I just wish it was a modern story that actually has something to really offer. He looks boring as hell. He's, he's actually not too bad. All right. Like, I, I can appreciate if you just looked at the photo of him that he doesn't really seem to have much. And to be honest, when you're watching it, it's not like he's really lighting up the screen. Like, he doesn't have dog magic. <laughs> he, looks like, he looks like a more boring Chris Pratt. <laughs> uh, that's a bit harsh. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, no, like, I think he's genuinely quite good. He plays things at this sort of, you know, really sort of solid tempo. But yeah, it's it's a slightly rough watch in a way that I don't think it should have been. Yeah, interesting really, isn't it? Like sometimes, especially when it's things that have been well-worn and, you know, maybe it's this idea that like, oh, you know, that movie was okay, but we really could do it better. And, yeah. you know, the book's so great the and book we need exists, to take it for another, another yeah. run. And yeah, not always necessary, maybe. Yeah, the book exists, the movie exists. Like we've already got that version of the story. Yeah. Like I just... I also have a problem with so much TV is period-based these days. Yes, And there are so many things to talk about with the many problems that exist in the world right now. And it's almost as though we're perfectly happy to dress it up in like an alternate setting so we don't really have to confront confront the horror of what's happening right now. Yeah, you're dead right about that. Anyway, I'm probably feeling it a bit more like this week. Uh, We're recording this like the week after the federal (laughs) election had happened. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of feel like yeah, the world's kind of hell on a handbasket, Chris. Yeah, it's 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 easy to feel that way, and it's easy to feel like you know maybe if we concentrate a little bit more on the horrors of today than mm. um, than dressing up the horrors of yesteryear as comedy, then maybe we'd be getting along a little better society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jesus probably. Christ, we're not going to fix it. On that earnest note, <laughs> let's get out. Chris Yates, it has been a pleasure as always. You too, Dan. Now, you and the internet, you don't really get along, right? No, no, I'm not on the internet. Don't worry about okay. it. Okay, but if people want to find me, you can find me at the Dan Barrett's. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you can find this here yep. podcast at alwaysbewatching.com alongside the amazing little newsletter that I put out each and every day. And the Always Be Watching Facebook community, which you will maybe find me liking it every now and then. Yeah, posting Chris posts every so often. Every now and then. Yeah, I think you posted something today. It was about Lego. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Lego Stranger Things. Well, it's vaguely TV related, right? That's well, very TV related. Yeah, 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 yeah. of course. Um, until we meet again, Dan, thanks very much. Thank you. And as always, big thanks to Vape Dads who do the theme song for us and to SER, a fantastic little radio station here in Sydney that gives us some microphones to talk into. Peace out. Word. <laughs> <laughs>